Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. So I have a question for you. Do you follow anybody on social media that like their page is designed around them ranting about things that they don't like? I do. I have a couple people, people that I am actually friends with and people that I don't know. And I recently started following this person and I really like them a lot. I, I like a lot of what they have to say, but they're sort of like bent is to comment on everything going on in the world and to make a statement about it. And I was watching one of these rants the other day and I just started realizing it must be so exhausting to live bothered all the time. It must be so exhausting to be triggered by everything that you see in the world around you and on social media. It must be exhausting to scroll through Facebook and feel like you have to fight the temptation to argue with every dissenting opinion on there. And that's when it hit me. I live my life unbothered. And I want to help you do the same. In this day and age, we have to learn this skill like we need to learn a tax write-off. I mean, this is so important to understand how to maximize our life, how to live free. In the same way that if you run a business, a write-off is so important. I mean, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rabbit trail here, but a couple of years ago, my husband and I paid a jaw-dropping, shocking amount of taxes. As our business has been growing, it was like, holy cow, we need to make some big write-offs to offset this. Now, you should know, I have no problem paying into Uncle Sam what I'm due, right? Like, I get it. I, I like that I can... For example, my grandparents got a, a stimulus check. They're in an assisted living home, and they got a stimulus check that really helped pay for their assisted living, um, even though they, they had plans for it and everything. And I remember thinking, you know what? If I paid my taxes for all the grandmas and grandpas out there in the world and for road repair, that would be good, right? I would do it. I'm a good American citizen. But at the same time, I don't want to pay more than what I should, and that's where leveraging write-offs comes in. Well, that's how it is in the Christian life. Look, I want to be listen, I want to be a good listener. I, I want to be here for you. I want to be present when you are struggling. But I don't want to be bothered by every single person's issue in the world. How does God do that? Do you remember that movie back in the 90s where I think it was like Jim Carrey played God and he had all those post-it notes all over the place and he was hearing everybody's complaints and concerns and he kind of went crazy about it? I've always kind of pictured God that way. Lord, how do you do this? How do you put up with all these people? I was even asking God this morning, how do you put up with me? And I think I'm pretty much, you know, pretty far down the journey of, of handling myself and I'm like, God, how do you do that? How do you, how do you handle that? That's what we're going to talk about today. How do we live unbothered? I think there's two key things that happen if we're going to be unbothered by the world around us. And the first one is that we actually take on the eyes of love. And the second one is that we look through the eyes of joy. 
Now, this probably sounds really overly simplistic to you, but I really want to challenge you in this. If you are someone who scrolls through social media and is triggered every time you scroll, if you are someone that sees someone else's opinion and feels like obligated, like it is your place in life, like there is this justice, you know, Wonder Woman uniform that comes out from underneath your clothes that is like, I have to deal with this. This podcast is for you. I don't think it's God's intention that you live under the pressure of everybody's bad decisions in the world. He's not. Think about that. How are we supposed to live connected with other people if we are constantly knocked off kilter by the decisions that they're making in their life? I should tell you, I should be honest with you and tell you that I used to be like that. I, my friends would joke with me when I was in college about how I was so black and white all the time. It was either right or it was wrong. And there was no gray, no room for gray in my life. As I began to grow in Jesus, I began to experience this thing called empathy. And empathy was when I would begin to understand someone else's journey. I would begin to understand what could make someone do that. Even if I disagree vehemently with what they did, I began to kind of understand why they did it. Does that change how I feel about them? No. Does it change the boundaries I set? Absolutely not. Does it change how I think about them? A little bit, yeah. If we're going to live unbothered, we have to see people the way that God sees them. And God does not see people in black and white. He doesn't. He doesn't see people as this part of you is good, this part of you is bad, and I reject the bad part and I will only receive the good part. He embraces the whole person. He embraces all of you. I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I want to say something, and I hope you don't take it the wrong way. But I think sometimes when we are in that mode, when we're heavily bothered, it's an indicator that we're actually really bothered with ourself. I think a lot of times we're actually projecting our own self-hate, our own lack of self-acceptance onto other people. This is actually a biblical principle. The Bible tells us to love your neighbor as yourself. If you find it hard to love other people, start with loving yourself. Start with getting empathy for who you are. Start with giving yourself grace. See, life works from the overflow, right? We clean the inside and the outside begins to clean itself. This is what Jesus said in Matthew, clean the inside of the cup. What does it look like for you as a bothered person to become unbothered by yourself, to become less harsh towards yourself, and therefore, by process of deduction, become less harsh to other people around you. Here's what I know to be true. If all you do is try to change your behavior to those around you, but you don't fix how you feel about yourself, it's just going to come back. You're going to stuff it. It's going to balloon. It's going to balloon. It's going to balloon. And then it's going to pop all over everybody. And that is not good. We definitely don't want that to happen, do we? So what's the anecdote? How do we live unbothered? Well, let's talk about the eyes of love for a second. I had a really interesting encounter with God recently. I was spending time with the Lord and I was thinking about how difficult it is for me to love a couple people in my life. It's, it's just like, it's so, so much better than it used to be, but I'm still on that journey, right? And I was saying to God, it's like, 
how do you do that? I said, how do you just love these people? How do you turn that on? How do I turn that on? And I will never forget what the Lord said back to me. He said, Rachel, I don't turn love on or off. I am love. I am incapable of not being love. It is the essence of who I am. That's what the Bible tells us, right? First John, God is love. God does not access love. He is love. So you and I are trying to access love, right? We're trying to turn it on towards people that we're bothered by. What does it look like for you to actually embody God's love as your own? What does it mean for you to recognize God is love towards you and them always? It never turns off. Sometimes love is discipline, right? With my kids, you know, if all they want to do, they, they're obsessed with cosmic brownies. I mean, obsessed with cosmic brownies. We have had more arguments over cosmic brownies, the little Debbie snack, than I thought was possible in a lifetime. And that's just in the last three months. If I don't have cosmic brownies on supply, you better believe I'm going to hear about it. All four of my kids love them. And if I didn't, you know, care about them, I would let them eat cosmic brownies all day long because that's what they want. I would let them leave their cosmic brownie wrappers all over the floor because that's what they want. My husband and I came up with this plan and we divvied out the cosmic brownies on the last grocery run and we actually initialed the trash so we could see who is the culprit that keeps living, leaving it on the ground. It worked actually really well. They picked it up because they didn't want to be found out. If I didn't love my kids, I would let them eat cosmic brownies all day long. But I love my kids. I can't not love them. And so part of my love for them is restricting the thing that they want, right? So love is not always positive. It's not always, or it doesn't always feel positive. Love includes discipline, but God is love towards you. So what does it look like for you to look at that person on social media and when you feel triggered to look at them through the eyes of love? Look at them through the eyes of God. Let me take an example here. I am... I always will be. I always was. I always will be a pro-life person. I'm a pro-life person. I grew up in a home where at times my parents kind of oscillated between pro-life and pro-choice, especially my mom who was in women's health. You know, when you're seeing, there's a lot of reasons why people choose to be pro-choice. And eventually we all came to the conclusion we're pro-life. And what's interesting is when I see someone who is vehemently pro-choice, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, for example, prior to her passing, when I see someone who is vehemently pro-choice, my initial thought might be something harsh, right? Like maybe a degrading statement, maybe a how could they kind of feeling. But what I've trained myself to do is look at that person through the eyes of love and what would love see? Does love lower the standard? No, but love understands. When someone chooses to be pro-choice, there is a reason why they choose that in the same way that someone chooses to be pro-life. There's a motivating factor. There's usually like an experience in their life that was incredibly transformational that caused them to come up with this belief set. If we get into the LGBTQ plus community, we can say the same thing for those that are believers that support the LGBT, for those that don't, everybody has a reason for why. So when I begin to understand the reason, I'm so much less bothered by that person. Does it mean my own standards change? No. 
but I can give them permission to be who they are and make the choice they want to make with their life, all the while knowing I want to demonstrate who God is to them. How can I demonstrate who God is when all I do is judge the person? How can you do that? If all we do is just judge every person that we see, well, I would never do that. I would never think that. I would never blah, blah, blah. We are not love in those moments. My old pastor used to say it like this. Everything you judge, you will either serve or you will become. That is actually true. I heard that for the first time about 20 years ago. And I remember thinking a little bit of fear, right? Like, ah, I don't want to become some of these things. But in the course of my life, post that lesson, it's absolutely true. The thing that you judge, you will either serve it or you will become it. And God will make sure of it. Why? Well, it's the law of sowing and reaping, first of all. And second of all, it's the law that with the measure you judge, you will be judged. We have to understand this. So if we're going to live unbothered by the people who live their life around us, by the people who live differently than we are, we have to embody love. It has to start with you. You have to embody the love of God towards yourself and towards the people in your home, and it will begin to grow and overflow. The second thing you have to do is embody the eyes of joy. Look at the people through the eyes of joy. Have you ever been in a situation where the Holy Spirit breaks out in laughter? This was one of like the most awkward moments of my life. I was at a a pastor's retreat and uh, this was a long time ago. And there was a, a, they were doing ministry time and somebody broke out in Holy Spirit laughter. And eventually it was like a dog pile of these pastors who were just cracking up laughing. And I thought it was funny to watch, although I was not feeling the Holy Spirit prompting my laughter. And my ridiculous seriousness of life and my overburdened of responsibility and all those things that I've felt all my life just began to really wage war with what I was seeing. And I was like, oh, this big debate, right? Is it really the Holy Spirit causing the laughter or is it really that they are just thinking it's funny what this person is doing or or whatever? Who even cares, right? What I was experiencing in that moment was I could not see life through the eyes of joy. But when we see life through the eyes of joy, the cares of the world pass away. The cares of where it's coming from pass away. In that situation, if I had just allowed joy to be my filter, I wouldn't have cared the semantics of it all because these pastors were being refreshed. They were being renewed. They were being ministered to. The the heaviness that they carry was being broken off. Shame on me for, for even thinking judgment towards that. I want to be the kind of woman who looks at life through the eyes of joy. Because when you are joyful, you don't focus on the seriousness. Now, here's what I need to say. Some of the issues going on in the world, they are serious, right? They are. I know that. Some of the issues going on politically, they are serious. They have big implications for all of us. There is change, right? It's going to change things if certain political figures are in office or are not in office. But we can understand the severity and live from a place of joy simultaneously. We can understand the implications, but also tap into God's viewpoint. I want you to think about it like this. What is the root of the frustration that you're feeling when you are bothered? If we're going to embody love and we're going to embody joy, we have to find what the barrier to those things is. Like, ask yourself this question. Why do you think that person's opinion will limit your ability to do what you want to do? 
Why do you think that person's perspective radically affects your ability? Now, I know when we're talking about some like theological things, it can feel really, really intense. But we have to understand there is enough space in the kingdom of God for people to be wrong. There's enough space in the kingdom of God for God to be moving in their life while they're believing something inaccurate and working and moving in them. The challenge is not to fix their thinking. It's to elevate yours into the likeness of Christ. And if you can focus on yourself enough to do that, you can actually really tap into something incredible. We're invited by God to bless those who curse us. And in today's day and age, we're invited by God to bless those who believe and think and live differently than us. But if we're going to do that, we have to become so much more like Jesus. What does it look like for you and I to be unbothered by the way people live their life? What I'm not saying is we don't care about their eternal salvation. We don't care about where they are on their spiritual journey. What I'm saying is that we allow people to be on their journey. Listen, if you are bothered by someone, but you are not sharing the gospel with them, you are not actively walking in love towards them, then you're not actually caring about their spiritual journey. If you're not praying for them, contending for them, calling blessing down on them, then what you're doing is just being judgmental. Think about it. The people in my life, there are people in my life, I should say it that way, that I am, it does bother me where they're at in their life. I care. I care. And so it bothers me. But it's not bothering me like a trigger, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, da 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 da. It's bothering me like I know there's something more for them. I know there's some fullness that they're not experiencing. And that's what leads me to give grace to them, to bless them, to pray for them, to, to send love to them, to, to be love towards them, right? That's what it looks like to be unbothered. The things that we are bothered by, we carry them in a different way. I don't know about you, but some of you may need to just not be on social media for a little while. If you're feeling bothered by all the things that are going wrong around you, it's such an indicator that something is not right on the inside of you. You and I, as believers, we are called to be the overflow of love. We are called to be abundantly loving to other people. We don't fake it. We don't put it on. We become it. Just like God is love. He's not turning it on He doesn't have days where he doesn't feel it. He is love. In our new creation, in our, our new life with Christ, we can work our hardest to give God space to be that through us. That's what I'm trying to do. And I hope you can become that too. Look, if you're listening to this and you're finding yourself going, wow, I think I'm a really judgmental person. Well, repent. I mean, I don't mean that in a harsh way. I mean that in the most gracious, kindest, kindest invitation to you. You don't have to be like that. Jesus paid for you to have freedom. You don't have to be the spiritual police for God. Just repent. Tell him, Lord, I'm sorry. I think this is wrong. I've been too judgmental towards people. And ultimately, I've probably been really judgmental to myself. God, would you heal me? Lord, would you allow me to experience your grace in my life? Would you help me have that grace overflow onto the people around me? That's a dangerous prayer, but it's a prayer that will lead you to be unbothered in today's day and age. Until next time.
Be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.